Psalm 118:24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Well, good morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. It is Monday, October 2nd. And uh, I don't know about you, but I wake up on Mondays. You know, we have the little phrase, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. But Monday is a brand new week, the start of a brand new week. Really, every morning is the start of something fresh and new. I was thinking about Lamentations chapter 3, the famous passage in Lamentations. It says in verse 22, The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Listen, I know that uh, life can really be difficult at times and things can happen and we can fall and fail and we can uh, feel like Simon Peter when we're put into a situation where we're tempted, uh, tempted to, to bail out on our faith and uh, we don't do well and, and we crumble and fall just as he did and we can feel like the Lord is done with us and that there's no uh, coming back to him that we have messed up too greatly. But his mercies are new every morning. His, his loving kindnesses never cease. His compassions never fail. So this is the day that the Lord has made. And we can make the choice to rejoice no matter what's going on because it's a brand new day to serve the Lord, to love the Lord, to draw near to the Lord, to walk by faith and not by sight. Psalms, uh, Psalm 70 verse 4, Let all who seek you are you seeking the Lord today? Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you, regardless of what's going on in life. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be honored and glorified and lifted up in my life. Uh, that word magnified means to grow, to become great or important, to make powerful, to praise. And so that's uh, our opportunity as Christians. Every morning when we wake up, we can wake up with excitement because this is a new day. Yesterday is gone. And as Adrian Rogers used to say, you know, start your day with pace. I did a whole program one day on pace, that uh, acrostic pace, P-A-C-E pace. P stands for praise. Start your day off with praise. Come out of the bed praising the Lord. Lift your hands up in praise and thank him that he is king and he's over all things. A stands for accept and you accept God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, A-L-L, all unrighteousness. So when your hands are up praising the Lord, then you turn your hands in like you're receiving a gift from the Lord. And A stands for accept. I accept God's acceptance of me. I accept his mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And I don't live in <clears throat> guilt, and I don't live in shame, and I don't live in, in the lies of the enemy. I, I live in the truth of God. See, I lift my hands up again in surrender now. My hands are up like uh, somebody's got, uh, you know, this is a stick-up type thing. You know, your hands go up. That's a, uh, a universal sign of surrender. And so C on the pace is 
control. I yield control to the Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm yours. I belong to you. I'm, as the old song says, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am, everything I've got, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. As Debbie and I said last Friday and one of the callers uh, called in and mentioned that the Lord really spoke that to her heart, I, I just said that, you know, we might be a mess, but we're as children of God, we're God's mess, and He is at work in us, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So our job, really, when you think about it, in the Christian life, is just to be soft clay in the hands of the master potter, just to, to say, yes, Lord, to His will. Not my will, Lord, but Yours be done in my life. And yesterday is gone, and the things from the past, those are gone, and I can't unscramble eggs. If I messed up in my marriage, I messed up in my morals, I messed up in my job and lost my job because of my own selfishness, my own outburst of anger, whatever it might have been, my own uh, you know, dishonesty. People lose jobs for all sorts of reasons. If I woke up this morning to a, a Charles Stanley sermon, it was talking about Esau sold his own birthright for a single meal. Uh, if I did something stupid like that and, and sold what was valuable, what had eternal value for, what had temporary value, if I did that, well, can I, is there no going back? Is there, is there no leaving the pigsty? God always invites us to come back and to, to start over and say, well, Lord, here I am. I've messed up. I confess it, and I want you to fill me, control me. I want to walk in your ways. And then E on the pace Praise, acceptance, control, and E is expect. Expect a great day. Uh, live life. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you do those things, then, then I'm yielded to the Lord's control. I'm going to expect a great day. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. It's going to be a great day. Anytime the Lord is in control of our lives, it's going to be a great day because he's going to lead us as Psalm 23 reminds us, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so I can trust him, rejoice in him, and be excited about the day. Well, yesterday at First Baptist Texarkana, we had a big, big Sunday. We had uh, Rocket Ismail with us. Rocket Ismail played for Notre Dame back in the day. He was the speedster. That's why he got the name uh, Rocket. His uh, real name is Rahib uh, Ramadan Ismail. His father was Muslim, and he was very deep into Islam, and he uh, was teaching and doing different things and teaching his boys. There are three boys in the family. Rocket is the oldest, teaching them uh, how to quote scriptures in Arabic, and Rocket quoted some things last night as we had our men's event. But then his father died when Rocket was 10, and he went to live with his grandmother, his grandmother, who was a Christian and she was praying for those boys, and she was witnessing to those boys, and 
through a series of events, Rocket started to have his eyes open to truth, started going to church, and when he was about 14, 15 years old, gave his heart to Christ. and has a great, great testimony. So we had Rocket with us. He was with us Sunday morning. He just gave a brief word in the Sunday morning service, and then Sunday night we had about 500 guys that showed up for a, a men's event, and uh, Rocket, I just asked him questions, and he shared about his life, funny stories about playing football and how he got the nickname Rocket. You know, he ran like a 4-2, I think a 4-2-8 is, uh, or 4-2-4, something like that. I mean, really, really fast. And uh, always fast, always little. He said when he was in high school, he only weighed uh, 100 pounds uh, his sophomore year, and they didn't even want to put him in the game because they thought he would get crushed. But finally got up to 160 when he played for Notre Dame and then uh, still looks good. He's 53 years old. He looks good. He's about 190 pounds, but he looks very athletic and, and lean and trim. And so it was a great time with him. I really enjoyed getting to hang out with him. And so I'm trying to rope him in for a um, for a radio program because I, I think you'd be uh, uh, blessed to hear his testimony and to hear some of the stories, you know, uh, what I've noticed with guys that played sports. I didn't play college sports, but I played all through high school. And the, the ex-jocks, we love to hear the locker room uh, banter and what happened behind the scenes and what was going on in the huddle and when the guys give you the inside baseball scoop on, on things and players and stuff like that. It's just a lot of fun. Well, Sunday... I preached yesterday, I preached uh, a very important passage of Scripture, a very famous passage of Scripture, Numbers 13 and 14. It's the passage of God's people right on the edge of the promised land. You know, the Lord brought them out of Egypt to bring them into the promised land. They went, they had a, a time down south at Mount Sinai where God gave them the law. They were there for about a year at, uh, at that mountain. And then they went up north to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And that was the staging area for the 12 spies to go into the land. They spied out the land for 40 days. And then they brought back a report. And the plan of God the will of God, the desire of God was that they would go into the land. They would take the land by his strength, by his power, defeat the enemies. The land was filled with the ites. I told the church this. Uh, we read about all these people, and they all have uh, the last name, so to speak, as ites. And this is what, uh, this is what the Scripture says about this. It says, uh, the Lord told Abraham, he was going to give him the land, Genesis 15. And he says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, whose name later, later became known as Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land. That's the promised land, the land of Canaan, from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Now watch who lives there. The Kenite and the Kenizzite and the Cadmonite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Raphaites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanite, and the Girgashite, and the Jebusite. They all live there. It's all the guys whose last name is Ite, uh, if you want to just, a you know, quick way, easy way to remember it. And he mentions 10 there that live there. Uh, the, the promised land is not a vacant piece of property. And the Lord is bringing them in, but they're going to have to fight 
for possession of that land. But they fight not in their own strength. The battle is the Lord's, as David told Goliath. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will cut off your head, and I will feed the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines to the beasts of the field and to the birds of the air, so that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Israel, and the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Uh, That's what David told Goliath, but that's how they were to defeat the people that lived in the land of Canaan, and God was going to empower them to do that. But what that took was faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. The Christian life is to be lived by faith. You can't live it any other way. How do we get in on the Christian life? For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. It is faith that brings us into the Christian life. You have to put your faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Without faith, it's not improbable to please God. It's not really hard to please God. It's not really, um, you know, a, a long shot. It's impossible without faith. It's impossible to please God. Why? Because faith is the currency of heaven. And what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith means you don't walk by sight. You don't walk by circumstances. You don't walk by situations. You got your eyes fixed on Jesus and you walk in the power of his word, and you believe what he says, more what what your ears hear, your heart hears him say, not what your eyes see. We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, you're listening to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time, right here on American Family Radio. We are up against a three-minute break, but we will be right back. Don't go away. For American Family Radio, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. That's a slogan that's helped many people survive tough situations down through the years. It is really good advice, at least in some sense. After all, who wants to be caught completely unprepared for bad news? But is this slogan helpful when we think about the earth? In other words, should we hope that God won't flood the earth again, but prepare just in case he does? In Genesis 9, the Lord said these words to Noah, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And because of that, the earth survived, and Jesus, the Savior, came to us. What a promise. 
Anchor Devotional is available in print monthly. Visit GetAnchor.com. God wants you to enjoy your life. The process is very clear. It begins, he says, by taking his Ten Commandments to heart. This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shows us how putting God's principles into practice will improve every aspect of our lives. Join us for a brand new study of the Ten Commandments called The Ten, starting this week on Pathway to Victory. Weekday mornings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jessica Peck, host of the Dr. Nurse Mama radio show, beginning daily October 16th on AFR. I'll serve as your expert guide to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your family. The show begins October 16th, and I can hardly wait to prescribe hope for healthy families. I'll see you there. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. The fastest growing crime in America and across the world is sex trafficking. We're talking about millions of lives, even children. Did you know that the average age of a child who's trafficked in America is 12 years old? Well, 8 Days of Hope is decided to be a part of the solution. Do you know it's amazing to think that there's 13,000 animal shelters in our country, and that's a good thing, but there's less than 1,000 safe places for people who've been rescued from sex trafficking to go to get the help they need. I know it's not a fun subject to talk about, but God has called the church to take its blinders off and help end this human tragedy. This year, Eight Days of Hope is partnering with Safe Harbor, a ministry in Ohio. We'll be building a $6.5 million campus over the next six months. When completed, this campus will be the largest facility in the Northeast to be able to provide the emotional, physical, and spiritual help these children need. For more information how you can get involved, email us at safehouse at 8daysofhope.com or go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. Welcome back to Real Truth for today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. We're talking about the walk of faith. The Christian life is all about faith. We begin it by putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we continue by walking by faith and not by sight. As Paul told the Galatians, you know, they started out uh, really well, and they were starting by faith, but then the Judaizers got a hold of them after Paul had left Galatia, and they said, "No, you gotta, you gotta effort. You gotta, you gotta fulfill the law of Moses. You gotta do uh, these works. You gotta get circumcised." And Paul said, "You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the one thing I want to find out from you: Did you receive the spirit of the? Uh, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith?" Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Hey, the Christian life is a walk of, fl- of faith. And as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, Colossians 2, 6, so walk in him. Well, God's people had come out of Egypt and that it took faith to do that. It took faith to sacrifice the unblemished lamb and put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and on the lintel, the top part of the door. And you can kind of see in your mind's eye the uh, picture of the bloody cross as they would have the, the blood on the middle of the door and the blood on the two sides of the door. 
The Lord had told them, I'm sending my death angel into Egypt, and if you'll put the blood on the outside of your door, then when my death angel comes to your house, when I see the blood, he said, I will pass over you. And that was the beginning of Passover. Well, that's how they came out of Egypt, because that was the last plague that broke the back of Egypt, and and Pharaoh let the people go. That's a picture of salvation. They come through the Red Sea, and God led them out to lead them in, into the promised land. Now, the promised land was obviously and is obviously an actual land. It's the land of Israel today. I'm leaving in two weeks, two weeks from today, to take a group of 92 to the promised land. We're looking forward to that. So it was an actual land, but it's also a metaphorical land for Christians today. Because what does God have for us in the Christian life? He has a life uh, flowing with milk and honey. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you'd have it abundantly. So he wants us to have eternal life come out of Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the lost condition. Uh, you're, you're under the thumb of uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh who's a picture of the devil. You're enslaved to sin. That's a picture of the lost condition. You come out of Egypt when you apply the blood to not to your uh, house, not to the door of your house, but to your heart. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross, you, you put your faith and trust in Jesus and that blood is applied to you and you're set free from sin. And then he, you, you come out of Egypt to go into the promised land, to, to live in the abundance of the Christian life so that you'd experience the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Some people think that the promised land, uh, through songs and things like that, Beulah land and, and uh, in the sweet by and by, we will meet on the beautiful shore, that the promised land is heaven. And in a way it is, because that's definitely promised to the believers. But, uh, but what about, uh, as Adrian Rogers used to say, uh, yeah, the sweet by and by, what about the nasty now and now? Well, what does God have for his children right now? Well, he has a promised land, which is the spirit-filled life, the abundant life. And God wants us to live in that metaphorical land as we trust him. And you're only going to live there by faith. You can't live there by works. You can't live there by doubt. You can't live there if you're walking by sight. What does Paul say? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, when they, or when Moses sent out the 12 spies, two of them had faith, Joshua and Caleb. They were excited when they saw the land because the land surely did flow with milk and honey. They brought back a cluster of grapes and some pomegranates and figs from the land. And they said, man, this is its fruit. This fruit is awesome. That one cluster of grapes was carried by two men uh, that were holding a pole and the cluster was in between the pole. As my Bible study teacher in college, David Ferguson, said, you know, the, the grapes are like coconuts in the, in the land flowing with milk and honey. Well, this was a great land. And the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, told the people, man, this is a great land. We need to go get this land. God is giving us this land. Uh, let us at these people. But the ten spies, who were the faithless spies, we don't even remember their names, although the Lord 
gives us their names in Numbers 13. Nobody remembers their names uh, because they were faithless, and they're going to get killed for their faithlessness. But this is what they told Moses and the people. Uh, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Anakim were related to the Nephilim. They were the giants. Anakim means long-necked. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev. That's the southern part of the land of promise. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. There you got all the ites there. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. Because, Philippians 4.13 in New Testament language, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8.37, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who is against us? We can take this because God is for us. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, "Mm, The land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. I mean, we're stepping into a buzzsaw if we go on that land. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, The sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Then all the congregation, they believed the ten spies, the ten faithless spies, and they lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness, and why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us? Now watch this. So, so horrible. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? What was Egypt? That's where you were enslaved. It would be better for us to return to slavery. So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Hey, the masses were walking by sight and not by faith. You only had a few, Joshua and Caleb, Moses and Aaron, who were walking by faith. But all the the rest were we're walking by sight. We see giants and we're not able and we're grasshoppers. And so we need to go back to Egypt and and the Lord must hate us. Deuteronomy chapter one, where Moses is recounting this situation. He gives a a little fuller description of what all they said. And uh, it's interesting, you know, as you you pull out uh, different passages of scripture that talk about the same thing, oftentimes the Lord will give give us a little more information. 
Moses said, uh, you know, when we got up to Kadesh Barnea, we were right on the edge of entering into the promised land. You were not willing to go up, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and grumbled in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. That's what they were saying. The Lord must hate us. They got so twisted. Now, Remember this, we walk by faith and not by sight. When you start walking by sight, you take your eyes off the Lord and you start walking by sight. Just like Peter, he was walking on water, a miracle, uh, amazing, the incredible. Faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, receives the impossible, as one man said. Walking on the water with Jesus And then he takes his eyes off Jesus, and seeing the wind, he became afraid. When you take your eyes off the Lord and you start looking at circumstances, then what happens? You get afraid. See, sight brings fear, and it brings doubt, and doubt brings unbelief. And when you start to go down that road, it ends in unbelief. And the Lord says in Hebrews chapter 3, the last verse, They were not able to enter into the land. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because unbelief calls God a liar. We don't like to think about it like that. Oh, I'd never call God a liar. But if you're not believing God, if you don't believe what he says, you're basically saying to God, yeah, God, I can't trust you. I can't believe you. You don't tell the truth. If you say that to God, if I say that to God, if we say that to God, well, them's fighting words. Uh, that is a uh, that is a slap in God's face to call him a liar, to say, I don't believe you. I, I can't trust you. I can't trust what you say. Listen, we can trust God. It is impossible, Hebrews 6 says. It's an imp- it is impossible for God to lie. So are you trusting God today? Are you walking by faith and not by sight? Listen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't have faith without the word of God because faith is a response to God's revelation. Faith is not having a a positive thought. Faith is not like the little train that says, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Faith is saying, what has God said? I'm going to trust what God has said. You know, we have that phrase that you've heard before in charismatic circles, name it and claim it. Well, just what do you want? What do you desire? Just name it and claim it. You have it in Jesus. Well, that's not true. God has to name it before you and I have anything to claim. Uh, You naming it and then claiming it in Jesus' name, that's not faith. That's presumption. No, when God names something, then we can claim it and we can stand firmly on his word. How about, as I shared with the church yesterday, how about the issue of forgiveness and and living without guilt and shame? As the Getty song says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. Lots of Christians live 
with guilt and shame, and it's horrible. And every time they try and, and really take off in the Christian life, the devil just beats them up over the head with something they did a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, that affair, that abortion, that uh, terrible, horrible sin that brought such devastation into their lives and into their families, and they just never seem to be able to rise above well, what does the Bible say? First John 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, a woman went to her pastor with a terrible sin on her conscience, and he says, Well, have you confessed that sin? She says, Oh, I've confessed it and confessed it and confessed it. I've confessed it a thousand times, but I still feel so guilty. He said, well, this is your problem. He said, you don't confess the same sin a thousand times. You confess it one time, and then you thank him a thousand times for forgiving you. Because the Word of God says, if we confess our sins, and that means to agree with God about our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His blood washes white as snow. Here's something that we have a tendency to do, and it's, uh, it's the opposite of faith. We have a tendency to elevate our sin over the blood of God's Son. We say, well, you know, but I did this, whatever this was, that's so terrible, so horrible, so awful, and how could I ever be forgiven for this? Peter could have said, how could I ever be forgiven for denying the Lord? But the truth of the matter is the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. So maybe you're listening and you have been one who has elevated his sin, her sin, above the blood of Jesus and say, yeah, but I did this, and I can never be forgiven for this. Listen, the, there's only one sin in the Bible that is unforgivable, and that is the sin of rejecting the forgiver. If you reject the forgiver, the Lord Jesus, well, there, there is no forgiveness. The forgiveness is found in him. Reject him, and you reject forgiveness. Any other sin, no matter what it is, can be forgiven. Hey, we walk by faith and not by sight, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when we live our lives based on the Word of God, then we're able to enter in to the promised land that God has for His children. You're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. Such a privilege to get to talk to you. And uh, we're up against a break, but when we come back, we're going to open the phone lines, and I would love to, uh, to be able to converse with you, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Maybe you have a question about walking by faith and not by sight, or maybe you have a, a short, brief testimony to share about how God brought you in to the land of abundance as you trusted Him. Hey, your testimony can help somebody else. So give me a call, and let's talk. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks. 
the important documentary from the American Family Association is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. thegodwhospeaks.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Jessica Peck, host of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens on AFR.net. I serve as your expert guide to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. We explore health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. The Dr. Nurse Mama Show on AFR.net. Hey friends, it's Jessica Peck, Dr. Nurse Mama, as your one-minute parenting coach. Did you know that your physical body can only plow through your emotional being for so long before it sounds an alarm? We all have a mind-body connection. Our emotions have a physical counterpart. We cry when we're sad. Our blood pressure rises when we're angry. This expression of psychological trauma as physical symptoms is called somatization. So I challenge you, pause, slow down, and reflect. Are you silencing physical alarms with ibuprofen, melatonin, or caffeine instead of honestly considering the source? Tend to that alarm before it becomes a raging fire. Let today be the day you have the courage to address it. And I'll see you on the Dr. Nurse Mama radio show right here on American Family Radio. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's something that could really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for people with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor and get 24-7 telehealth from the comfort of your home. And here's the thing. If you join before October 30th, you'll get your second month free and save even more. I'll give you the number here in a second, but just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. The deadline again is October 30th, so now is a great time to call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. You're listening to Real Truth for today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. We're talking about walking by faith and not by sight. That's what the Apostle Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now that was with him and his entourage. How about for you? Do you walk by faith and not by sight? Do you walk by the promises of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Well, we're opening the phone lines 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. I'd love to talk to you if you have a question, if you have a comment about uh, the the. 12 spies that spied out the land, Numbers 13, and the 10 spies who gave a negative report and the damage that that did for the people of God. 
one preacher called them the unbelieving believers. Another preacher called them the the hardened pardoned. Uh, the, it, hey, as believers, we can believe on the Lord Jesus for salvation, but we can fail to believe on him for abundance and for living the abundant life. And we can, uh, we can start walking by sight and we can get afraid because we see so many obstacles and problems. And we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Well, we have Joe on the line from Louisiana. Joe, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Hey, how are you? Doing well. How are you, Joe? Good, good, good. I hear you quoting Hebrews eleven six and things like that in First John 1 and 9, and I do believe that. And um, But what happens when you confess in the same sin over and over and over? Because there seems to be no victory. I struggle with it. I admit it to God. Uh, the flesh likes it, but the spirit is um, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but right. there just seems to be no victory. And yes. I'm, I mean, you know, you ask God, you say, Lord, you tell me to confess it. But then you read over, you know, these, 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 these shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I'm like, wow, that's me. Right. Yeah. Great question, Joe. Well, here, here's the thing. So. Uh, everyone uh, has different things they struggle with. So Hebrews 12 uh, tells us about we run the race that is set before us. So since we have so great a cloud of witnesses encompassing us, and that's not people in a stadium watching us run. People in heaven are not watching us. They're they're, uh, worshiping the Lord. But they have gone before us. So Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith, the hall of the faithful, and they're the witnesses that the Lord has before us. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses encompassing us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And we lay aside every encumbrance, it says in Hebrews 12:1, as we run that race. So... Uh, the sin, as one version puts it, the sin which so easily besets us. Everyone has a sin uh, or a, a cluster of sins that is that has more of a pull on them. Some people are predisposed to worry and fear, and when things happen, that's just that just constantly fills their heart. They're battling that all the time. Most guys I know. Uh, have a problem with the the lust of the flesh, with with lusting over women, and so we constantly battle that. Some have problems with greed, and uh, you know it's not that. I mean, all of us can have problems with all those things, but there's certain things that we tend to be. That's my Achilles heel. That's what I have to really watch for. So if you find yourself uh, confessing the same sin over and over and over and over again, not not the you know hey, I did this on on Monday of 2024 or, or 2020, uh, you know, January 2020 on Monday, and I'm confessing that sin over and over. But if you keep continuing the same sin, whether it's sexual immorality or whether it's thievery or whether it's selfishness or whatever, um, yeah, we have to confess that to God and we have to bring our hearts to the Lord and say, Lord, I keep doing this. I don't want to keep doing this. And, uh, Father, what do I need to do so that this this giant in my life doesn't continue to defeat me? I think the answer is in uh, accountability, 
we, we get a trusted Christian friend that can help us, that we can really bear our soul with. Hey, I'm struggling in this area. You know, in, uh, in recovery, you, they always will that you can talk to and get help from and you uh, you get their strength in uh, you know taking the sin out of the shadows and you put it out in the open you let somebody else know about it and then we uh, you know it, it, you just keep you keep battling you don't ever just give up and and so it's it says like in Galatians 5 those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God if that is just the, the practice of your life, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, and things like these. Uh, then Paul says, hey, those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's, that's what you were before you came to Christ, but that's not what you are now. And so as a believer, you I, I am not living out who I am in Jesus. I keep going back to my old way of life. And Paul said in Colossians 3, uh, take off the old man, put on the new man. And so we have, to, uh, we have to train our minds. Hey, I'm dead to those things, those things of the flesh. I'm alive to God. Here's the thing, though, Joe. We don't feel dead. I don't feel dead to certain things, and you probably don't feel dead to certain things, and Paul didn't feel dead to certain things either. He said, the good that I do, I don't do, and the evil that I don't want to do, I do. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? So Romans 6 tells us we're dead to sin. Romans 7 says, yeah, but we still struggle with the flesh, and Romans 8 says the answer is to live in the Spirit. So I would just encourage you, to, uh, to find somebody you can really share this with, uh, whatever this particular thing is that that's, uh, tends to eat your lunch, and uh, get somebody to pray with you about it and be your accountability partner. Meet with that guy um, once a week or so and, and just say, hey, I'm, as I have accountability, that gives me strength. And it's not me fighting all by myself. It's me fighting with another brother in the Lord whom I trust, who loves me, who wants what's best for me. And, uh, and that guy's going to have, he's going to have something that he struggles with because you never get to the place where you don't struggle anymore in the Christian life. We, we live in the promised land, but you always have battles there. And uh, so Romans eight twelve says, if we by the Spirit uh, are putting to death the deeds of the body, we will live. That's the Christian life. So by the Spirit, as we yield to the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body on a daily practical basis. Even though we're dead to sin, we have to keep fighting those things. Because as one man said, the way you understand the flesh, the flesh was your master. It was like you were on a pirate ship and the, the captain of the ship was this cruel master. But then there's a mutiny on the ship one day and the cruel master is overthrown and you have a new master, a new captain, and he is good and loving and kind and generous and faithful and that's the Lord Jesus. You take the old master and you put him up, you tied him up and you put him on top of the mast, but you forgot to gag him. And so he's still barking out orders and you're so conditioned to obeying him that when he barks out, there's a part of you that says, well, I got to do this because he said to do that. But you have to remember, he's been rendered powerless. He doesn't have any power over you anymore. 
he can still bark things out and the flesh still, our bodies still respond to a pretty girl or to, uh, you know, some kind of temptation, but we don't have to do that anymore because we can yield ourselves to the, the captain of our souls, the new master, the Lord Jesus. We can put on the new man and take off the old man and trust him and walk in his ways. And I'll be the first to tell you, Joe, it's not easy and it is a daily battle, but it gets easier and easier to say no the more we say no. We can build up a, uh, a, a line of defense as we walk in God's Word and as we walk in accountability. So is that something that could be helpful for you? Yes, sir, it is. And, and uh, I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, and, and uh, I appreciate it a whole bunch. Well, you're very welcome. I appreciate you calling in. And <clears throat> listen, just know that you're not alone. And, and like I said, I, I, I don't know what your issue is, and I don't need to know. I do know this. I know a lot of guys and more women now are struggling with uh, the lust of the flesh, physical lust for uh, the opposite sex. And, and that is, a, that is a, a struggle. I don't know if that, um, if that ever uh, just totally goes away. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, that's just something within us. You know, we have, a, we have a, a God-given natural desire to eat, and so some people have to really watch it with food, and we have a God-given desire for sexual relationship with our spouse, and so uh, we have to guard that because uh, it's very easy to, to look at things you shouldn't look at. And so... Uh, but the Lord does give victory as we walk in his ways. So God bless you, my brother, and uh, keep looking to Jesus. Well, we have Clifton on the line for from Virginia. Clifton, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Yes, uh, Pastor, i got a question for you. Okay. I, I really value your opinion. I hear some people say that it's God's will always to heal a person. And they will use that by his stripes we are healed. Uh, and the Old Testament, I think it's in Psalms, it says that God forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. Uh, I know that uh, that may be referring to heaven, but I hear other people say that God lets people stay sick uh, for a reason you know, for his glory, to, uh, to learn them something. And I'd just like to know your uh, your answer on sickness. I have known people, my, you know, in my life, I'm 72, that have prayed for healing that was good Christian people, but they never got healed. Right. And uh, do, do you pray for uh, God to heal you if that's his will? Or I, I wouldn't think you'd ever give up on asking God to heal you. So what's your answer to that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think when it comes to healing, uh, physical healing, uh, spiritual healing is different. Emotional healing is different um, because the Lord promises uh, peace, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control against such things. There is no law. That's a promise from God. Physical healing is not a, a universal promise from God. And so to say, as, as some groups say, well, you know, if you just had more faith, you'd be healed. Well, one of the greatest Christians I know is Johnny Erickson Tata. 
And uh, she prayed and prayed and prayed for the Lord to heal her, and he didn't. And uh, I had her on the program uh, a number of months ago, and I said, Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong, but if God had healed you back when you were a 17, 18-year-old girl praying for healing after you broke your neck, and God had miraculously healed you, uh, how many people would know who you were? How, what kind of an impact would that have as opposed to you living in a wheelchair for 55 years or 50 years, whatever it is, and uh, trusting God every day in difficult circumstances and, uh, and the testimony that that is? I said, uh, which do you think would have brought more glory to God? And she said, well, for sure, having me in the wheelchair still with the joy of the Lord on my face, with a smile on my face, trusting God, that makes a bigger impact on people than God just healing me as a teenager who broke her neck and uh, was in the wheelchair for six months and the Lord healed her. Miraculous. Wow. I mean, everybody wants the healing. What she is doing is much more difficult. But as Paul said, Uh, or the Lord said to Paul when he had the thorn in the flesh, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. Well, nobody wants weakness. Nobody wants the the sickness, the difficulty, the problems, but the Lord shines through that. And so I look at it that way, Clifton. If I get sick, I'm praying for the Lord to bring healing. If I got in some kind of car wreck and hurt my neck or hurt my back and It was looking uh, grim that I was going to walk again. Yes, by all means, I would pray and ask the Lord to heal me. But I would just say with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when when, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, what God is there who can deliver you from my hand? They said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from your hand, and he will deliver us from your hand. And even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O day, uh, O king, that this day we will not bow down to your image. We're going to serve him no matter what and we leave the consequences with him and the results with him our job is simply to obey so that would be my answer to that clifton great question appreciate you calling in we are out of time but god bless you my brother and thank you for listening to uh, all of you out there listening to real truth for today listen we walk by faith and not by sight and if you want to build your faith spend time in the word of god because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and your faith is strengthened as you obey what you hear and as you do what God says. If you know these things, Jesus said, you're blessed if you do them. So be a doer of the word and I'll be with you again tomorrow. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.